That's enough out of you. A weekly podcast where you'll hear the truth, or at least a closer version of the truth, than most of the bullshit that's out there. Here are your hosts, Bill Rader and Sean Kane. All right, welcome to That's Enough Out of You. I'm your host, Bill Rader. And I'm Sean Kane. And this is our very first podcast. It is a podcast where we talk about almost everything. We talk about sports, talk about history, sports history. We talk about uh, important historical figures and events, and we cover things like organized crime. Talk about stuff like pop culture, TV, movies, uh, music. We talk about everything because it's our show. That's right. It's about anything we want to. So this is our very first episode, and it's kind of a special one because we're going to be talking about a subject that Sean is has done a ton of research on. It's very, very well uh, established with with his knowledge. He's been on a, on other podcasts talking about this uh, subject, and that is the JFK presidency. Uh, not the assassination. Or that'll be a different show. But this this episode, we're going to talk about his presidency and um, some of the things that he's done or that he did, obviously during his during his time, his short time as president of the United States. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna focus, Bill, on three main areas. Like you said, the assassination. We'll discuss it a separate um, episode. That's a whole episode unto itself. But tonight we're going to discuss, you know, uh, JFK's foreign policy his domestic economic policy, and then civil rights. Yeah, those are three, three areas that he, he made uh, really push this country so far in those three areas. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we hit our, uh, our main topic. But uh, before we do that, Sean, how you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing all right. Had uh, Kind of a busy day today. Did a little bit of running around, but um, other than that, yeah, me too, buddy. Me too. Yeah, always stuff to do. Always, always. Yeah, I, I, I did. Uh, I did a little plumbing this morning. That's never uh, fun. No, no, I had uh, issues with my the toilet in my kids' bathroom. I actually had to pull the whole toilet out of there and replace some uh, some of the parts in there. But other than that. Doing pretty well. I, I got to watch uh, Andor this week at uh, the new Star Wars series on Disney Plus that came out. First three episodes were released. I, I started episode that. one, Bill, and yeah, I got you through. Think? Well, I only only watched like about fifteen minutes, and then I got stuck doing other things. But um, it looks like it started pretty good. You know, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I got to I got to watch all three episodes. I really enjoyed it. It's not your typical Star Wars. It's it's really uh it, it's it kind of pushes to the adult side of things not that i wouldn't let my kids watch it but you know there's some uh there's some kind of adult themes so uh really good so far i can't wait for for the next episodes to to be released but you know it's the for for those who aren't familiar with it it's sort of the prequel that or the prequel series i guess that leads up to uh rogue one which is the movie that came out in what was it 2017 yeah i want to say around there 2016 maybe that movie details how the rebels got the plans to the death star which obviously led to 
what we know today is episode four, where the rebellion is able to exploit the weakness in the Death Star and blow the thing to smithereens. So that was that was pretty cool. That I, that was definitely one of my favorite, uh, maybe my favorite of the of the whole Disney era that uh, was Rogue One. So yeah, I'd agree with that too. I think it was the best one in the yeah. Disney era. Really good. All right. Um, so let's get to our main topic. We're going to talk about JFK. Right. All right, buddy. Let's get into it. So the main thing, Bill, is you know I've been I've been studying this this subject for for more than twenty five years, to be honest with you, and done a ton of research, reading the documents. Um, there's two authors I I, I study and read on uh, specifically, and that's uh, James D. Eugenio and Lisa Peace. Those are the two best, I think, on everything JFK or RFK. And, and the thing is, there's so much disinformation that's out there. And I take you back to a song that I don't know if you're familiar with. Bob Dylan wrote a song on the JFK assassination. It's called Murder Most Foul. And there's a great. I don't know if I heard that one. Well, there's a couple. There's a couple of great lines in that that song. But one of them is, "They killed them once. They killed them twice." And what I think Dylan's referring to is. Not only was Kennedy assassinated, but afterwards, his character's been assassinated. Like, there's just so much stuff. Like, when you listen to some of these people talk about Kennedy, and sometimes it's coming right from the left. You know, um, CNN just did a show on Linda Johnson in the summer. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, I did see it. But they blamed all of Johnson's mistakes on Kennedy, including Vietnam, which is incredible. And they give credit to Johnson for a lot of stuff that Kennedy did. And that's the thing. If you listen to these people, you would swear that like Kennedy did nothing in office for, for two years and 10 months. And, you know, his top advisors were like Marilyn Monroe and Frank Sinatra. You know, he, <laughs> right. he was, he's a bootlegger like Bugs Moran and, and Al Capone. You know, he's, he was a womanizer like, like Mick Jagger. And they just attack his character. And then the thing that bothers me the most is that when you see them discuss his presidency, you get such a picture that's so different from the picture that you get when you read the actual documents. Okay, so the areas we're going to discuss tonight, JFK's foreign policy, his domestic economic policy and civil rights, the documents give you a different picture than what a lot of historians paint and a lot of what's out there in the mainstream media. So where do you want to start tonight, buddy? Why don't we start with civil rights? Because for me, that's, you know, that's a very important topic. It's kind of, um, it's, it's kind of personal to me. I, I, it's something I'm passionate about. And knowing what JFK did for civil rights in this country, you know, from, from when he took office, the things that he set in motion. And, and as you said, LBJ got credit for a lot of those things that Kennedy started. Yes. A, you know, the Civil Rights Act 19, uh, 1964, a lot of those things were started by, by JFK. So, yeah, why don't we start there? Well, the one big thing that, that aggravates me, Bill, is when people say that Kennedy was slow on civil rights. I mean, that drives me crazy. The day that Kennedy was inaugurated, okay, he looked out in the Secret Service and realized that there was no black Secret Service agents. He looked out at the Coast Guard parade and realized there's no black people in the Coast Guard. 
So he called up Dylan, who was secretary of the treasury in charge of the secret service. And he asked him, he says, you know, why isn't there more black people in the secret service? And Dylan said, I don't know. And Kennedy's like, I want an answer. And he's like, well, you know, when do you want this? He says, well, now is good. And this is like the first day, like his inauguration, but when it should be the best day, his happiest day of his life. Yeah. The first day he's on this subject. Well, I mean, you, know? you look at, a, at the bigger picture, though, the broader picture of, of this country in 1960, it was more that, you know, it wasn't just there were no black people in the Secret Service. I mean, the way that black people were treated in this country it wasn't a whole lot different in 1960, 1961 than it was, you know, at the time of the Civil War. We didn't right. make a ton of progress in the 90 years that, that uh, you know, came after the Civil War that preceded JFK's presidency. And I think one of the things that he looked to do coming into office was change that. And he wasn't necessarily concerned about whose toes he stepped on or who he pissed off. Not he at all. Going, he was going to change things. And, you know, he did. Well, you know, Bill, a lot of people point to why it took so long for him to get a bill um, for civil rights. But the thing is, you know, you have to understand um, the political climate at that time. Kennedy understood that he was it was never going to get passed in the South. OK, so what Kennedy did is he worked around that through executive orders. Okay, because you have to you have to realize that, you know, when Kennedy, a lot of people at that time, 50 percent of the public thought that Kennedy was pushing civil rights too fast. You know, so um, even after his great civil rights speech, which, which was probably the best speech on civil rights since Lincoln, um, his popularity, which was really high at the time, actually dipped 10 percent after that speech. Yeah. You know. Well, that's an indication as to where we were as, as a country at that point. But to say that he was slow on civil rights, I mean, the stuff he did, let's just go over some of the stuff that, you know, like when Governor Wallace blocked uh, the entry of two black students into Alabama. Right. Uh, Kennedy mobilized the National Guard. Yeah. I mean, you know? can, can you imagine that happening today? It's 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 unthinkable that we would have to have the president call in the National Guard to let two kids into a school build. I mean, it, it's just, you can't even fathom that today. And, but that's what was happening. Kennedy and, and so uh, John and, and Bobby were, they were on the phone with, who were they on the phone with you? I forget, you, you told they me. They were this. on the phone. Well, they sent Katzenbach, who was assistant attorney general. They sent him down there. Right. Um, but they were on the phone with Wallace and his right. people. There was a confrontation with him and Wallace. And they also had um, to do the same thing. They sent the marshals into Mississippi when James Meredith tried to enter uh, Ole Miss. Right. And they tried to stop that, you know, and then he, you know, he sent in um, uh, marshals in to rescue the Freedom Riders in, in Alabama. You know, and just so many other things he did, Bill, like. He's executive order to eliminate discrimination in the government. Um, he, he had RFK start lawsuits in the South um, that attacked, uh, you know, voter dis dis discrimination. Right. Um, he's, he signed um, so many different things. Like I said, he worked through executive orders. Like he did pass a lot of integrate all travel facilities. He signed laws granting federal employees the right to form unions 
um, signed the Manpower Development and Training Act to alleviate uh, African-American unemployment. Um, so it's just like, it's amazing that people say he's slow on civil rights. Like he signed executive order prohibiting discrimination in, in the sales and renting of housing. I mean, think about these things at the time because Bill compared what Kennedy did in two years and 10 months to everybody before him from FDR, Truman to Eisenhower. What those three presidents did for civil rights was, was basically the equivalent of nothing. Right. Now, in 1954, it was it was Eisenhower that well I mean Brown versus Board of Education happened right. under with Eisenhower in office but and that wasn't being enforced though Bill it wasn't being enforced no it was it was essentially um, I don't want to say window dressing but it, it was not you know it, it definitely didn't move the needle as far no. as and um, that's one thing JFK did you know as he got RFK to make sure that that, that law is being enforced. Right. But he established lawyers, he established a committee for civil rights to, to represent victims of civil rights abusers. I mean, one of the most amazing stories, Bill, is um, Prince Edward County in Virginia, right? The public schools, um, many public schools were closing in Virginia in very poor black areas. All right. And there was thousands of kids that had nowhere to go to school. So Kennedy was trying to rectify that. And he was, him and RFK were working through the courts and they were unsuccessful. So what they did in 1963, they got together with some of their rich friends. One of them was William Vanderhoevel and they built a school district for these kids. I mean, they built this school district from scratch, Bill. They raised the money yeah, they hired, you know, the, the, the teachers, they rented out the buildings. I mean, think about to build an entire school district from scratch. It's, it's I amazing. Mean, yeah, it is amazing what they did. And, and, you know, he just doesn't get enough credit for it, you know, and I think Johnson would eventually, you know, when they did pass that bill, which I think it was the, the longest filibuster in history. Um, a lot of that, I mean, JFK worked on that for a long time. Johnson, I'll give him credit. It was passed. He was president when it was passed. But RFK had a lot to do with that. You're too, talking though. about Civil Rights Act of 64. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, um, Bobby Kennedy stayed on. The only reason Bobby Kennedy stayed on was to make sure that that bill got passed. Because after the assassination, I mean, it's no secret here that, that Bobby Kennedy hated Lyndon Johnson and Lyndon Johnson hated him, you know? And the only reason JFK ever took Lyndon Johnson as vice president is, let's face it, he wasn't going to be elected in the South because they weren't going to vote for a Catholic at the time. And, and he needed the Southern vote, and Lyndon Johnson got him that Southern vote. But that's an incredible story, you know, in Prince Edward County. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about a little bit, and, and you know, if you could kind of get into um, Kennedy's sort of associ his association with Martin Luther King. He had a tremendous relationship with King. They kind of, a lot of, lot of areas, this is where the disinformation comes in. A lot of areas want to downplay that with, with Martin Luther King, you know, but Kennedy, when, when um, Martin Luther King did the March on Washington, Kennedy supported that. 
and he told King, you know, he had RFK supervise it to make sure everything went good. And when Kennedy gave his great speech on civil rights that I told you actually hurt his popularity, uh, Martin Luther King came out and said, you know, he just hit that out of the ballpark. That was tremendous. Yeah. But no, they, you, if you go back and you listen to the late John Lewis talk about J JFK and RFK and their relationship with Martin Luther King, you know, John Lewis was active, you know, at that time. And you see the, 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 the passion in them and, and you know, how, you know, the, 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 just the great relationship between the, between the Martin Luther King and John Kennedy. And, you know, we could do a whole show on Martin Luther King, you know, that, that's another great episode down the road. Yeah. And we, we probably will. Um, but staying, staying here for now though, um, you know, with the, with the March on Washington and a lot of the a lot of the things that that came out of that, with you know um, Martin Luther King's speech and then Kennedy's you know Kennedy's speech as well, and there was some there was some violence that that came out of that as well. You know there there was a um, I believe a bombing of a church in in Alabama uh, that happened and and some of the other uh, I can't remember I know there were some other things that happened as a result of that and I think you know for for Kennedy that probably, um, you know, fueled his fire even more. You know, I think a lot, a lot of people would have maybe backed off or, or toned it down a little bit. I don't think Kennedy uh, subscribed to that. He, he, he wanted to push the issue. He wanted to do things that everybody told him couldn't be done. Well, that's true. And, you know, Kennedy was, he was a peace president. That's one thing, like, when he's portrayed as a cold warrior, we'll get into this when we discuss his foreign policy, it drives me crazy. Because everything that Kennedy was about was peace. Because remember, he was a soldier himself. Right. And he almost died himself in the, the, the PT-109 incident. So he understood, you know, war. And he understood violence. And he always tried to use every single option before you know, going to war. But as far as the, the violence in the civil rights movement, yeah, I mean, there was violence. I mean, the, there was also the Ku Klux Klan was very powerful at the time. Yeah. And very, then they had political power at that time too. And this is something, and, you know, when we go back to the, the confrontation with Wallace, I mean, Governor Wallace was threatening, you know, Kennedy with the 64 election coming up you know right. he's i forget exactly what he said but he said you know there's going to be payback come election time because we know who's responsible for this and we know what route we have to go and he's basically telling him you know you're not getting our support down here in 64 well you look at i'm th this is something i'm looking at right now in september of 63 kennedy's approval rating was at a was at 44 percent in the south compared to the national approval rating of 62%. Yeah. So that just goes to show you how hated he was in the South. Well, again, Bill, he would have never got elected. They right. were never going to vote for a Catholic. Right. And that's just a fact. And especially someone as progressive as, as Kennedy was. Well, that's the thing. He was like, people don't realize how radical he was. He was so different than every president before him and afterwards. You know, and I don't think that's by accident. You know, like that we haven't seen a president this radical since John Kennedy. 
You know, yeah, we, because look at what happened to him. Exactly. And, and look at and what we, happened to all of the, the leaders, the civil civil rights leaders, well, sure. the progressive leaders at that time. Martin Luther King, that. Bobby Kennedy, Malcolm X. Yeah. And then you could even throw in uh, Freddie Hampton. Right. Black Panthers. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, you know, Kennedy deserves tremendous progress on civil rights. And it's amazing, like, where would it be right now if that assassination didn't take place? You know, how further along would we be? A lot of people want to give Johnson tremendous credit. But here's the thing you got to understand with Lyndon Johnson. For 20 years, Lyndon Johnson voted against every civil rights legislation there was. That's a fact, including an anti-lynching law. Do I have to repeat that? That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, but that's amazing. an anti-lynching law. He voted against it. Now, the thing is, when Johnson turned, he the reason he turned, and people could put their own spin on this, but the fact is, his mentor was Richard Russell, who would end up on the Warren Commission at Johnson's begging. Um, and Richard Russell was a segregist. He was a racist. There's no doubt about that. And he, when he ran for president, his stand on civil rights, he was definitely anti-civil rights, it hurt him. And Lyndon Johnson seen this. So Lyndon Johnson understood if he's going to be president, he's not going to win in the North, and he's going to have to change his stance. And this is why Lyndon Johnson turned. Right. And he became, I think Lyndon Johnson became popular in the North. He became popular, you know, all over the country because of some of the things that he was able to do but again a lot of those things that he was able to do during his presidency the roots of those things were started with kennedy with john kennedy and not only that though bill a lot of that was early on and remember bobby kennedy stayed on and bobby kennedy made sure yeah that a lot of that stuff got passed right you know when you say he stayed on he stayed on as attorney general as attorney general and then he eventually left right you know, because he, he, him and Johnson were like oil and water. They couldn't get along at all. Yeah. But he did stay on to honor his brother. So do you want to get into, uh, do you want to get into foreign policy now? Or do you sure. send any more on civil rights? You yeah, wanna... no, let's, let's keep going. Let's go uh, to foreign policy. Well, see, this is the interesting thing, Bill. Kennedy's foreign policy is so different than every president before him and after. And it's not what you hear in the news and even what historians portray. You know, they don't paint the right picture of Kennedy. And I, again, I think it's, you know, assassinate his character. Like he's painted as a cold warrior. And that's not true. I mean, you have to understand that time period when the threat of nuclear war with the Soviet Union was very real. Kennedy understood this. But Kennedy was very anti-colonialism. He was very anti-imperialism. And I think that had a lot to do with his Irish roots because... You know, he was, you know, second generation Irish. He understood, you know, how Ireland was kept down by the British under the thumb of colonialism. And he, he understood this. So in his foreign policy, where he, where he differs from, and we, there's no way to talk about Kennedy's foreign policy without mentioning two other figures. And that would be Alan Dulles and David Rockefeller. Now, Alan Dulles was the longest reigning CIA director in history. But and that's, he was also, well, go that's ahead. a name you're going to hear quite a bit on this quite podcast. He's like the smoking man in the X-Files, Bill. <laughs> but he's, he was also 
managing partner, him and his brother, John Foster Dulles, who was uh, Eisenhower's secretary of state, they were managing partners of Sullivan and Cromwell law firm. And that wasn't a law firm that me and you would go to, Bill, if, you know, we're going to sue somebody. This was a law firm that handled basically the 1%, the Rockefellers, what's called the Eastern Establishment, the Rockefellers, the DuPonts, the Morgans, you know, and um, Kennedy, you know, he, Alan Dulles, he ended up firing Alan Dulles, who would eventually end up on the Warren Commission, which is so ironic, you know, investigating Kennedy's murder. But every single situation, I don't care what country you name, Bill, Kennedy's foreign policy is different. And it's, it's Lyndon Johnson basically reverses Kennedy's foreign policy everywhere, everywhere. And almost instantly. Yes, almost instantly. In fact, let's talk about Vietnam. Now, we could do a whole show on Vietnam. Right. Okay. But let's just talk about Vietnam briefly here. There's so much disinformation. on. Like, there's people out there that want to blame the Vietnam War on Kennedy, not Johnson. And even, you know, they'll, if they say, like, I've heard Johnson people say, well, you know, he only made one little mistake his whole presidency. Well, that's a pretty big mistake, Vietnam. And he, but Kennedy got us into Vietnam. Well, that's nonsense. Here's 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 the truth, Bill. This is from the documents. Okay, this is not my opinion. This is from reading the documents. Um, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, the day that Kennedy was assassinated. Okay, there were zero combat troops in Vietnam. Zero, as opposed to eighteen months later when Johnson has five hundred thousand there. Okay. Mm-hmm. There, there was zero the day he was inaugurated, and there was zero the day he was assassinated. Okay, the policy of the United States government on that day that Kennedy was assassinated was the withdrawal of the advisors right. that were in Vietnam, and that's a fact. That's a fact. It's called NSAM 263. Okay, it was Kennedy's withdrawal policy, and it called for a thousand advisors a month starting December 63, with the end result of all U.S. personnel out of Vietnam by the end of 1965. So I mean, how, many, how many advisors were in Vietnam at that time? Okay, so there was, there was 15,000 advisors. But here's the thing, though. The advisors were not first put there by John Kennedy. The they advisors were put, by were put there by Eisenhower. Well, yes. Eisenhower right, Eisenhower started in Kennedy. And his Kennedy continued it. But Vice President Richard Nixon. Well, here's the thing, Bill. Kennedy put the advisors there, and he's credited for putting like 10,000 advisors, but that's not really the number. If you understand the logistics of these things, um, he, like Eisenhower, Nixon put like, say they put 8,000 advisors in the region, okay? And then during Kennedy's presidency, the, the generals would move over advisors from say Thailand into Vietnam. And they would be credit towards Kennedy, even though they were put in the region by Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. So you really can't go by those numbers. But the reason Kennedy um, put the advisors there was really kind of to keep the Joint Chiefs off his back. Because remember, he was surrounded by hawks. Right. And, they, and I, I've done the documentation, went through this, and I found at least six times where his advisors, all his military advisors, wanted him to go and send combat troops into Vietnam. And he turned them down every single time. Let me, let me ask you this. So in... At some point, we'll talk about the the Oliver Stone 
JFK well, movie, but I do for another episode. Though. But I do want to. There was a line in that movie that I I want to ask you about, okay. and that's that's when uh, Mr. X says that McNamara mm-hmm. would go on these fact finding missions in Vietnam, and he would yes. come back and report to Kennedy and and scare the crap out of him with what he found. What? What was he reporting to Kennedy that scared him so much? Well, Bill, there was so much disinformation. There was there was reports going that the war was going very well. Everything we were doing was winning. We we're winning the war, and that was untrue, Bill. That was not true. None of that was true. I mean, the war things were going very badly in Vietnam. But when when Kennedy was under- this? When was this? Well, let's, this was during this was probably probably sixty one because they were. The military wanted him to put in. They wanted him to go into Laos, Bill. Right. And they wanted atomic. Uh, uh, Curtis LeMay wanted him to bomb Laos in '61. Yeah. With atomic weapons. You know, but it, it goes back to Bill. It goes back to Kennedy. Understood when he took office. Let's let's go to the beginning of Vietnam. The French were there first, right? And and when Kennedy was a young senator, he had he was thinking about now this is probably going back in the we're in the 50s now we're in the early 50s and he goes on a fact-finding mission to saigon he's just a senator now and he meets a guy named uh edmund gullion okay which is a diplomat and he would come into kennedy's uh, administration i think he was he was ambassador somewhere i forget but um he meets with gullion and he asks him he says are the french capable of winning this war and Gulliam tells him, no, there's no way the French could win this war. There, there cannot be the guerrilla army. And that's where Kennedy would say the quote, we can't, can't fight a war where the enemy is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Okay, so Kennedy understood really at an early age, going into office, he understood that. So when he puts those advisors in, Bill, he's basically just telling the military, he's already told them, he said, I can't say no to them every single time. They want him to, they want him, don't forget, in 62 they want him to bomb moscow yeah cuban missile crisis you know and they want him and the only two times that i've ever seen where kennedy actually considered sending combat troops was the congo which we're going to talk about and during the cuban missile crisis when china invades india okay kennedy was back in india and that's and that's two times where all his advisors were against it so you see, Kennedy's never on the same page with his advisors because Kennedy sees everything as, you know, uh, nationalism versus um, independence. You know, it, where where these other guys like the Dulles brothers see everything as, you know, communism versus capitalism. And if you're either with us or you're against us. Yeah. Yeah, I, Sean, we could do we could do an entire show on, on we Vietnam could, but... alone because because I think it's important that. We, you know, if we talking about this, it's important that we kind of give the background as well, well as to why we were in Vietnam in the first place, what was happening there. So maybe we should maybe we should move on because we can come back. We can come back and we can talk about Vietnam. In a right, but I want there's one thing that's really important, though, Bill, that I want to say on Vietnam. Okay. The policy, like I said, to withdraw. Kennedy was withdrawing the advisors. That's a fact. Now, I've, I've been in logistics for 20 years. I've been in management. I understand logistics of anything, moving something from California to Pennsylvania. When you're talking about moving advisors, moving equipment, military, it's very, very complex matters. So if Kennedy signed this in that in December of 63, you're pulling advisors out, 
by November 22nd, 1963, when Kennedy's assassinated, that is already well in motion. You understand what I'm saying? Right. If he's going to have these advisors pulled out in December, starting with thousand, this is already well in motion. And Lyndon Johnson changed that. He reversed that policy when Kennedy's not even in the ground yet. Yeah. His body was in a casket. Okay. And he changed that. And it was called the NSAM 273. And what he basically did, and this is the key thing though, he's not sitting there rewriting the whole NSAM himself. What he basically did is he rubber stamped what the military was doing behind Kennedy's back the whole time. Yeah. And what they did is they implanted something called OPLAN 34A, which was the American Americanization of the war in Vietnam. Okay. And this was all done with Kennedy still in a casket. He's not even in the ground yet. So this would have been that Monday when, when uh, the funeral is happening and John Johns is giving the salute to the casket and everything. Here's Lyndon Johnson reversing his policy yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. But you're well, right. We could do a whole show on that. Yeah. And it just goes to show you what was going on behind the scenes with Kennedy as president, which is why I think a lot of the, you know, what, what you characterized as sort of slander or character assassination there were some, there were a lot of people that he pissed off in Washington. Oh. He, he, he fired a lot of important people. He changed a lot of things in Washington. He was radical, Bill. It was a radical change. It was yeah. a shock to the system. You know, it was a shock to the system. But, you know, just moving on from Vietnam, I mean, we could go to other places. Like, you take, like, Africa, you know, especially the Congo was so important to Kennedy. And what you see when you, you start to, to realize places like the Congo, Indonesia, Dominican Republic, Alan Dulles as CIA director was involved in a lot of coup d'etats, overthrowing governments. You know, you see our Benz in Guatemala, Mosaddegh in Iran, you know, Lumumba in the Congo. And Kennedy's on the other side back and he's back in the other side that, that, Alan Dulles, because Alan Dulles is serving David Rockefeller. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So when Kennedy, like, let's want to talk about the Congo for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So we could do a whole show on this. So we'll just give a little summary on it. So Patrice Lumumba was a black revolutionary in the Congo. Okay. And he basically was holding the flag for freedom for Africa. I mean, he was such a charismatic character. And what happened was Belgium was in control of the Congo. And they they realized that, you know, Lumumba's Lumumba's getting really powerful. So we're going to get out. But what they did is they the Katanga section of the Congo is very rich in minerals and gold, um, copper. And what they did is they gave Congo their freedom. They gave Lumumba their freedom. But then the, the Belgian mining companies backed with Rockefeller money and backed by Alan Dulles, right? Backed a, a guy by the name of Tashimbe, who tried to break away the Katanga from the Congo. Now, if you take Katanga from the Congo, you're taking away basically 75% of the wealth of the country. It can't survive. And they knew this. So you see what they did? They, they, they gave Lumumba his freedom, but they basically took it away from him because he has, he has no country left when they take a tank out of there. Kennedy sends his brother, Teddy, to meet Lumumba, okay? Now, Kennedy's president-elect at this time. He's not, he's not in office yet. And 
Keddy comes back and he says, listen, we got to back this guy, Lumumba. He is tremendous. We got to back him. And the problem is, is that Alan Dulles, and this is, this is right from the House Select Committee on Assassinations in the 70s, Alan Dulles has already approved the assassination of Lumumba with the CIA-backed uh, coup attempt, okay? And what they did is, in, from the cable traffic, reading the cable traffic leading up to this, the CIA actually sped up the assassination because they realized that when Kennedy takes office, he's going to back Lumumba. So we got to get rid of him before Kennedy takes office. So he's assassinated. And here's, here's what happened, Bill. They don't tell anybody. Alan Dulles, nobody, nobody, Kennedy doesn't know that Lumumba was assassinated. And it's not for like three weeks after that he finds out. And he's actually negotiating, trying to get with Lumumba's people, trying to get him. And what happened, Bill, is there's a great picture. Uh, Kennedy has his hand in his forehead when he gets the news that Lumumba's assassinated. He's just disgusted. He's just absolutely disgusted. And what he does is he gets together with Dag Hammarskjöld, who was a secretary general of the UN, who was trying to keep the peace. And they sent in UN peacekeepers to try to keep Katanga from succeeding from the Congo. And Kennedy backs that plan. What happens? Hammarskjöld is assassinated. And, and now there's, there's documentation that comes out from a South African Truth Commission that came out in the 90s. Or guess who was involved in that, according to these papers? Alan Dulles. Yeah. It was called Operation Celeste. And so when Hammerskold is assassinated, Kennedy's got a choice. What does he do? Does he pick up um, where Hammerskold left off, or does he just do nothing? Well, no, he takes the mantle from Hammerskold, and he, he keeps Katanga from succeeding. And he was successful. He was successful. And this is where he was actually threatened to send in uh, combat troops. Okay. Well, what happens is Kennedy's assassinated. And then after that, Johnson goes in a whole other direction. He backs um, a guy by the name of Mobutu, who becomes one of the richest men in Africa because he makes a deal with the, the Rockefeller mining companies and, and gets money from the mines and then takes over control of the country. And he becomes a butcher bill. And anybody, Lumumba's people that are left after Lumumba's assassinated, try to mount a coup against Mobutu, Johnson backs, uh, you know, he backs Mobutu and he sends in Cuban exiles that were involved in the Bay of Pigs. They're mm. working for the CIA and they crush the resistance from Mobutu. So think about how Kennedy backed Lumumba and Johnson goes in a whole other direction after right. Kennedy's assassination back in Mobutu. Yeah. You know, and the Congo today, Bill, is an absolute mess. I'm reading a book right now on the Congo the last 10, 15 years, and it's an absolute disaster. I mean, Kennedy's got to be rolling over in his grave to see what the Congo has become today. And that's just one, that's just one country, you know? Right. We go to Indonesia, Bill. Indonesia is another one because Indonesia had a section called the West Irian section, right? You're familiar with Indonesia at all? No, not at it's all. It's like thousands of different islands and all different types of uh, ethnic people. And, and the West Irian section was like Katanga, very wealthy. And it was actually, they had gold. They discovered gold in the 30s there. But it was like they said, it was like gold on the moon. They couldn't access to it. Right. They couldn't get access to it. And they knew the technology wasn't going to be there for 20, 30 years. And they also found oil there. And just an interesting side note, the man who found the oil for Dulles was George de Mornschild, 
who happens to end up being Lee Harvey Oswald's best friend in Dallas. He's the guy that found the oil for Dallas. And, Interesting. and yeah, and we're not going to get into that, but that's just a little side note. But yeah. what Indonesia bill is, is they had a president Sukarno, right. Who, who wanted to nationalize everything there. And, and he became the enemy of Alan Dulles. And, and this is in the 50s. And the CIA, again, tried to coup against Sukarno. They tried to assassinate him several times. When Kennedy takes office, he develops a relationship with Sukarno. Okay? And what happens is, in 64, Kennedy was going to visit Indonesia. And Sukarno was all excited about it. He was building him a palace over there. And um, Dulles, that's the last thing Dulles wanted. Because Dulles still wanted... You know, him and Rockefeller wanted all that gold in, in the oil that was in West Irian. Okay. So what happens is when Kennedy's assassinated, Johnson goes in a whole different direction and he backs a coup by a man by the name of Saharto. And Sukarno's not assassinated, but he's pushed out. And what happens is there's there's a coup that that from whatever whoever you listen to, there's either five hundred thousand to a million and a half people are killed in this coup. And they're, they're labeled as communists. They were called the PKI, the Communist right, Party. Right. But Bill, what they were, they weren't communists in the sense of um, Soviet Union. You know, they were, they were peasant farmers. And they were, these people were assassinated. A lot of them were Garada. You know what Garada is? I'm sure you do from yes. the mob stuff. Yep. You know, so I mean, they, they, were just, they were just wiped out. You know, and this was a coup that was backed and it was, it was, you know, Dulles considered a very successful operation, you know, but they, they slaughtered between half a million and a million and a half people mm. were slaughtered. And that's a direction totally different from what Kennedy had. He was back in Sukarno. Here goes um, Johnson back in Saharto, yeah. totally against what Kennedy was doing. I mean, it's just amazing, buddy. It's just amazing. You know, and we could go on Dominican Republic, Brazil. I mean, all of these countries had coups. Guatemala, our Benz of Guatemala, basically so the United Fruit Company could take over, um, which was a Rockefeller company. And Dulles and, and his brother were major stockholders in that company. You know, they, they didn't assassinate our Benz, but they pushed them out in a coup. And basically, United Fruit destroys that country. You know, the same thing with uh, Mosaddegh and Iran. You know, Mosaddegh wanted to nationalize the oil. And Bill, look at the problems we have with Iran today. Right. I think you could, the genesis of that could be traced back to this coup in the 50s by Alan Dulles. And Kennedy wanted to bring back Mosaddegh. He was trying to bring back Mosaddegh. And you know what happens, you know the story of what happens with the Shah later on with the hostages and all that. Right. You know, so it's it's just amazing, Bill. It's just amazing. Like, you know, everywhere you look at Kennedy's foreign policy, his Middle East policy, Bill, was so different than um, the policy of the United States for the last 70 years. Yeah. Talk, talk about talk a little bit about the, the pol his policy with Palestine and, and Israel. Well, in, in 1939, before Israel's even a state, Israel's not a state to, to 1948, Kennedy's a young 22-year-old kid, and he writes an essay on the plight of the Palestinians. He was really concerned, Bill, about the Palestinians. He was concerned about Israel getting nuclear weapons, and he was really concerned about what he called the sleeping giant, which was this um, uprising of 
fundamentalist religious fanatics, which really wasn't that prevalent in Kennedy's time. But he's seen the vision that he had. He's seen that this is going to be a major issue if we keep doing what we're doing. And he didn't side with Saudi Arabia like the United States has done. Um, he, he sided with Nasser in Egypt. He wanted to develop a relationship with Nasser, okay, because he realized Nasser had got rid of the Muslim Brotherhood in his country. And he thought uh, Nasser was somebody he could work with. Because, see, Kennedy didn't want to push democracy onto these people. He wanted to see everybody to see it for themselves and see that it works and work with them. You know, where Nasser to Alan Dulles, I think he called him the Hitler denial. You know, and yeah. Kennedy, another difference in, in the Middle East was Kennedy sided with India over Pakistan. In the United States, the last, like, whatever, 50 years, we've sided with Pakistan. And how many times has that relationship backfired on us? Mm -hmm. The same thing with Saudi Arabia. You know, so Kennedy's entire Middle East, what he was so afraid of is that everybody, all the countries were going to converge against Israel. And if Israel got nuclear weapons, other countries would. And all of a sudden, he's trying to, you know, stop a, a nuclear war between the United States and Soviet Union. And here you're going to have a nuclear war in the Middle East. Yeah. And Kennedy saw that vision. He saw that at a very young age, you know. And it goes back to his, he gave a great speech, Bill, in 1957, I believe. He's a young senator. He gave a speech on Algeria, which was fighting independence from France. And he went for uh, totally against France, which was our ally at the time. And he was attacked, Bill, after the speech. He was absolutely attacked by even people in the Democratic Party, attacked him. And after the speech, he said he went back and he talked to his old man and he said, you know, I just think I might have just made a huge mistake because he was getting bashed in the papers. His own party had turned on him. And his dad said to him, listen, he says, you don't know how lucky you are because in a couple of years, people are going to realize everything you're saying is right that Algeria should be independent and France mm -hmm. should get out. And guess what? He was right. Yeah, he was right. So it's just unbelievable, Bill, like how you look at every single place and Johnson reverses every Johnson's Middle East policy was totally different than Kennedy's Johnson sides with Saudi Arabia, you know, Johnson sides with Pakistan, you know, it's just totally different than, than what Kennedy wanted yeah. for the Middle East. And Another important thing, Bill, is um, in Latin America, you know, Kennedy signed the, the Alliance for Progress. Now, that's really, really important because what he wanted to do, Bill, is give aid or give loans and grants. A lot of times he's given grants where the, the low interest is very low so that you could uh, help these countries. Okay. That's totally opposite of what Dulles, it's Sullivan, Cromwell and Rockefeller want to do because they're, they're given loans through the world bank, through the IMF, which is the international monetary fund. And they're giving to these countries, like they're a loan shark bill. They're giving them loans with interest that they can never pay back. Right. They're and when, in, in the terms of a loan shark, they're juicing them. They're juicing them. Exactly. Yeah. And then bill, when they give them loans and then we, the United States gives them aid over there, the aid that we're given is, is not even enough to pay the interest on the loans. You know what I'm saying? And Kennedy, and, and the interesting thing about the Alliance for Progress, after Kennedy's assassination, that is a totally crushed mm. by David Rockefeller and Alan Dulles. Mm. They, and, and Lyndon Johnson, of course, goes along with it. And they yeah. absolutely 
get rid of Alliance for Progress. Yeah. And you and look at the state of, you know, a lot of those Latin American countries today and. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just unbelievable. And one, one more, you know, because we could go on and on about foreign policy, but yeah. one more, one more country I want to mention, because I think it's important is Dominican Republic. So Dominican Republic had a leader, uh, Rafael Trujillo, and he was put into power by Dulles and he was assassinated because he got a little bit too big for his britches. And of course that was another CIA coup. Right. And what happens is there's actually an election and Juan Bosch is put in, he's elected by the people first election in Dominican Republic, I think in like 38 years. Okay. And Kennedy has a good relationship with Bosch. They had a little back and forth at first. They have a good relationship. What happens is, see, Bosch wants to nationalize everything for his people. In the eyes of Alan Dulles and David Rockefeller, that's that's evil. They don't want that. They want globalization. They don't want that. You know what I'm saying? So they right. initiate a coup, a military coup. And what happens is Bosch isn't assassinated, but he's overthrown. And he's exiled to Puerto Rico. And what happens is Kennedy is so upset that he cuts funding with Dominican Republic cuts every everything i'll aid everything and he says you know you're not going to get anything until juan bosch is put back in power because he was elected by the people okay what happens is kennedy's assassinated and what does lyndon johnson do lyndon johnson backs the government that's there the military style government and when juan bosch tries to lead a coup back into power right rockefeller and dulles put a lot of money into it and they, they squash the coup and Johnson actually sends in 25,000 Marines bill us Marines to make sure that that coup gets squashed. Wow. So he's again, here we have it again. And, and the thing is historians always like to portray um, like Kennedy and Johnson weren't that much different. Well, Bill, I just gave you how many examples <laughs> of the differences, Yeah. you know, and it's just amazing, buddy. All right, let's let's cover uh, his economic policies, his you know domestic economic policy as and and I also if we have time and I know we, we're we're running out of time, but I also want to talk a little bit about his space policy as well because that uh, you know obviously resulted in our eventual landing on you know landing on the moon. But absolutely, um, absolutely, know. he was huge in the space program. And yeah. you know one thing, Bill, before we even get into that, he did want a joint ventures with the Soviet Union with the space program. Yep. And that's something that really angered people inside, like people like right. Curtis LeMay, who was on the Joint Chief of Staff's uh, Strategic Air Command. I mean, because they see the Soviet Union as the ultimate enemy. And here's Kennedy, detente with the Soviet Union, detente with Castro, you know, and, and that's to them, you know, that that's that's be, being a traitor. And now to get, the, get into his economic policy, you know, he was considered a traitor to his wealth class by people like David Rockefeller. Like there's such a rivalry between Rockefeller and Kennedy that goes back to the two of them going to Harvard at the same time. That a lot of people don't know about. And David Rockefeller actually dated JFK's sister, Kathleen, for a short time. And there was always a rivalry between the two men. But uh, there's a great book, Bill, uh, by Donald Gibson. And it's called Battling Wall Street. And it shows you First of all, the power that these, what's called the Eastern establishment has, the 1%, okay? And it shows you how Kennedy was so, you know, up against it with these people. You know, like, like um, for instance, he had the investment tax credit 
you know, for new equipment. He wanted to invest in growth, help the economy grow, you know, hire more people. He wanted to discourage globalism, which is exactly what David Rockefeller is trying to do. You know, he wanted to stop. He wanted no tax havens abroad, you know, which is something David Rockefeller was living off, you know, mm, and, yeah. and he wanted to invest in, in America, um, you know, small banks, decentralized power, you know, and one of the important things is, you know, the Federal Reserve, which is a private bank, which Rockefeller's family controls, I believe, the New York region and the Boston region, right? And what Kennedy was doing was he was taking a lot of power from the Fed and giving it to the controller of the currency, which was a man by the name of James Saxon, okay? And what he wanted to do is he wanted, he wanted smaller banks into more communities instead of, you know, controlled by these eight regional banks, mm-hmm. you know? And, and the thing is, um, after Kennedy is assassinated, you know, James Saxon is basically by Lyndon Johnson, you know, he's put in like a basement office somewhere and he basically goes away. You know what I mean? He loses his power and, and the Fed becomes the power that it is today. But the economy under Kennedy, I mean, the GMP was up 20 percent. Unemployment was down by one third. He kept deflation in check. Um it was like 50% lower on average. Um, he reduced taxes, he increased benefits. Um, he raised the minimum wage. I mean, but the thing is, I think one of the best things you could inv- investigate if you're looking into this period, Bill, is Kennedy's confrontation with the steel companies, mm-hmm. okay? Which when Kennedy, um, he, what he did is he negotiated with the unions and with the steel companies. And he got them both to agree that the, the unions wouldn't raise their wages anymore and the steel industry wouldn't raise their prices to, to stabilize the economy. Right. And he gets them out to agree that. And then the next day, what happens is um, they come to him, somebody from U.S. Steel comes to him and says, sorry, Mr. President, but we're going to raise prices by 3%. And Kennedy hits the roof. He absolutely hits the roof. And what he does is he, he ends up sending his brother's attorney general after these guys to try to build uh, price fixing cases against them, which later on, they actually would be um, uh, convicted of price fixing later on. But he he slams them in a, in a great speech, Bill. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but he really, I've never seen a president come out and call out a, an industry like this. Yeah. And he really never, went after the steel companies. I didn't see that speech. You know, and, and this is my personal opinion. This is not based on anything that I read, but I think this was a test for the young president. And I think, you know, it was a test done by the establishment, by guys like Dulles and Rockefeller, where, you know, to send in the steel industry to see, is Kennedy going to play ball or is he going to be a problem? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was such a confrontation. And guess what happened, Bill? The, the steel industry ended up backing down and they didn't raise prices. Yeah because Kennedy attacked them. So it's just, it's just absolutely tremendous, but everybody should try to check that speech out, you know, and, and it's just, you know, everywhere you see Bill, his foreign policy, his domestic economic policy and civil rights, it's all different than what we see today and what we see portrayed really in the history books on JFK. It's really, it's really an outrage. It really aggravates me to be honest with you. Some of the stuff I see out there, 
And, and going back to one thing that you mentioned earlier about the the foreign uh, tax shelters, mm-hmm. where you know these billionaires and and corporations were were putting money overseas, right? Where it wasn't helping the U.S. economy because it wasn't no. being taxed. No, and he wanted to tax profits on American companies earned abroad, right? You know, he wanted, and that's something you know that Rockefeller was so against. And Dulles, see, Alan Dulles. It's, it's such a contradiction for this man to be CIA director in, in managing partner Sullivan and Cromwell, because it becomes like, who is Dulles serving? Is he serving the national security of the people or is he serving the national security of the 1%? Because it becomes to him, the, the, the lines cloud where there's no, you know, and it's just, it's just amazing, you know, where it becomes under Alan Dulles, does the CIA stand for, um, the Central Intelligence Agency, or does it stand for corporate interests of America? Yeah, yeah. And and that's that's the problem, and that's you know Kennedy after the Bay of Pigs would end up getting rid of Dulles. But when he gets rid of Dulles, it's kind of like that scene in Star Wars, Bill, where Darth Vader, Obi Wan tells Darth Vader, "If you strike me down, I'm going to become more powerful than you could imagine." Right. Dulles never lost his power. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Well, you know, talk about who some of the other, uh, some of the other very important and very established figures that Kennedy essentially fired or, or you oh. know, removed from their well, position. There was Dulles. There was uh, General Lemonser from the Joint Chief of Staffs. He he got rid of Lemonser after Operation Northwoods. Now Northwoods came out because of the the movie. JFK, which which uh, after Oliver Stone, they created what's called the ARB, and they released some of the documents. And one of them was Operation Northwoods, and Northwoods bill was a false flag operation, okay? And it was approved by Curtis LeMay, Lemonser, Alan Dulles, and General Ed Lansdale of the Air Force. And basically, what it was is they were going to simulate attacks in the United States using uh, CIA trained anti-Castro Cubans and blaming Castro, making them look like they were pro-Castro Cubans and simulating attacks in the United States to start a war with Cuba. And that's when Kennedy said, enough is enough. And then very shortly after that, he gets rid of, rid of Lemonser. Um, he, he, he just starts the Secretary of the Navy, uh, Admiral Burke, he ended up getting rid of him. And even the guy that Oswald took a, to, was uh, accused of taking a shot at, General Walker, that mm-hmm. Oswald is accused of supposedly taking a shot. He pushed him out too. So, you know, and the other thing is, I think the next one to go would have been Curtis LeMay. Mm-hmm. Kennedy and LeMay had such a heated relationship because LeMay wanted it, like I said earlier, wanted to bomb Laos. You know, he's, he's pushing Kennedy to go into Vietnam. He wanted to bomb Moscow during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And this is after, Bill, they know that there's, there's missiles in Cuba, 90 miles off the coast of Florida. Right. L- L- what's LeMay want to do? He wants to bomb. He said, he actually says somewhere, LeMay says that um, 20 million dead Americans is collateral damage to get rid of communism, necessary collateral damage to get rid of communism. That's the way, you know, he was thinking and the people surrounding him. Yeah. We're thinking. That's amazing. Yeah. Could you imagine? No. I, I mean, you got to read the transcripts, Bill, and you see the animosity with LeMay. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Like how much animosity, like 
you know, he, he compared uh, when Kennedy sends the blockade in the Cuban Missile Crisis, LeMay compares that to appeasement at Munich with Hitler. He says that right to Kennedy's face. You know, I mean, there's such disrespect that it just, you know, but yeah, that was just some of the people that Kennedy fired, but he was making a lot of enemies, Bill. Mm-hmm. And no, none bigger than, than Alan Dulles and David Rockefeller. Yeah. And then don't forget the oil men down in Dallas because he, you know, he, he wanted to get rid of the oil depletion tax allowance, you know, which was letting these guys expense a lot of their, you know, write off a lot of their expenses. And Kennedy wanted to get rid of that. So he was making a lot of powerful enemies. He made a lot of powerful enemies and eventually killed him. Yeah. We'll talk, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do a whole probably series of, of episodes on the assassination and, and And we'll, uh, we'll go over that fairy tale called the Warren commission, because I, 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 I'm one of the few people in America that actually read that. I mean, I've read probably 90%, maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. most people haven't because that's another quote of alan Dulles. he said americans don't read so yeah who cares about jack ruby they're, they're not going to read about him anyway right. you know so uh some of us do though bill some of us read buddy yeah well it's a good thing because we wouldn't have this podcast if you didn't do so much reading sean yeah well <laughs> thanks buddy i think this was good but i think it was a good start for a first you know first of many buddy I think so. And, you know, as far as the space program goes, we could do an entire episode on the space program too. And not just, you oh, know, not could. just the Kennedy years, but, but post Kennedy, you know, it's just a space program is such an interesting thing to me. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. And that uh, was so important to Kennedy. Yeah. Like he really thought, you know, it was, it was, and it to him, it wasn't really like an American thing to get there first. It was a humanitarian thing. Right. You know, and this is right. why he wanted to include the Soviet union. Amazing. And, and so, you know, such an, an underrated president, is, as you say, I mean, I, I, by so many people, he just well, doesn't get enough credit. He's, as being he's underrated the... on purpose, though, Bill, yeah. in my opinion. You know what I mean? His character has been attacked. Yeah. You know, his character was assassinated just like he was. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully we spread a little bit of the truth today, buddy. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. We invite any feedback, you know, good Absolutely. or bad. If somebody disagrees with us, hey, we're open to it. Hey. You know, yeah, but, in fact, uh, you, you can email us at uh, that's enough out of you show at gmail.com. So send us, give us a, give us a call, send us an email. Let yeah, us know let's get think. some feedback. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll read that feedback too. As we, as we continue here with this podcast, we're going to, we will good or bad, we'll, right? But read Hey, we, we don't we're care. All, we'll, we're we'll take it. We're open to any discussion, any, any feedback you, uh, you guys want to give us. So, uh, but we're going to wrap up this episode. Sean, thank you so much for um, just bringing, bringing the truth, man. That's what this show is about. We're bringing the truth. And it's not just going to be about uh, John Kennedy. It's going to be about a lot of things, a lot of our opinions on a lot of things. Some of them will be historical. Some of them will be current. Some of them will be entertainment, entertaining. And, and uh, you know, some of them will be uh, a little bit more fact, fact-based. But right that's what this show is that's what this show's about if you like us give us a like we're on youtube we're on facebook we're on twitter and we'll put all those links uh in the description of this podcast but hey man thank you great show all right buddy all right great start pal good start and hey that's enough out of you yes <laughs>